than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast presented by locked on it's joe marino and kyle Krabs from the draft network and we are your hosts here on this thursday episode of the show kyle the fourth of july is coming happy thursday to you do you have any plans for the fourth <laughs> well sir um cook out in the backyard you know we we got a bunch of like backyard games and cornhole and bocce ball. So family coming over a little cookout and um, not much else because, you know, my wife is on the, the pump list with her broken ankle. So Damn, you know, we're, we're pretty limited around here. Did, did you go to the gym and get that rope or whatever it was and, and burn it in the backyard or what? You know, Kyle, I didn't. Um, I would ask for it. It's like, uh, who did that? Was it Tony Sperano? Did they, he took the film from a bad game and they took it out on the practice field and they buried it in the practice field. Well, did he do that with Miami? I believe so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Might want to like watch it and learn from it, but you know, uh, I said, no, we're going to, we're going to leave it here. It's, it's behind us. It's dead. Let's move on and do that with you. I've seen your backyard. You got a nice, Nice size backyard, fenced in, a lot of grass, a lot of sod. So it's still technically fresh enough. You could probably just roll it out, uh, bury the rope underneath it, and then roll the sod right back on top. You know, that that rope owes me a lot. It's it's taken a lot from me, Kyle, having a, you know, an immobile wife with a 17-month-old baby. That's the problem, right? If it was just my wife and I, we'd right. be okay. But right. the, the baby layer and, and trying to work and listen, you know. it it can it can reap you can recoup a lot, but you can't recoup time. And I know for a fact with a, with a 17 month old and an immobile wife, you ain't getting that time back. No, brother. So no. And you, you saw, you saw the baby firsthand, man. She don't stop. <laughs> no, she doesn't stop. We're not putting on the little mermaid yet and, and telling her to chill for two hours. Those Look days haven't come. Stuff. Sir. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you say my collection's complete? All right, let's move on before I dig myself <laughs> any deeper in a hole Ooh. here. Can't be any worse than me yesterday with my uh, blunder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Kyle, all right, what's, what are we doing today? And then I think it's important for us to kind of give an overview of uh, the direction of a scout of the TDN scouting staff. Yeah. Right so, so I think let's start there, right? Because our process is, is ever changing and dynamic and fluid and flexible. And what we did last year for the first time was we divided the country up amongst our team and have people be responsible for regions uh, and we had a lot of success with that. We, before they even played a college football game, we had 400 write-ups done on pro we had like 425, 450 write-ups done on prospects. And it gave us this really great launch pad, but the speed bump that we found was when Joe gets a tweet asking, Hey, you're from the Carolina area. What are your thoughts on Justin Fields? And Joe says, well, it's a great <laughs> question, but you're going to have to ask Kyle because he's the big 10 guy. I did not study Justin Fields this summer. So what we have collectively decided as a group is the next appropriate layer as we continue to evolve here is to do a mini version of what we do in the springtime and the wintertime, which is cross checks. So we, our group has spent the last six, seven weeks uh, doing regional scouting reports. We got write-ups on 350, 375 prospects, uh, at this point in time. 
And instead of going deeper than that, understanding that there's going to be players that come out of nowhere, there's going to be UDFAs in that group that you inevitably find. And we've already found a lot of them in this process so far. Uh, Let's make the use of that eighth, ninth, and potentially 10th week. And instead go back through and do a broad brush cross check so that everybody can release big boards at the end of the summer. So everybody can talk intelligently about the, what is perceived to be the top of the class. And that's a really exciting shift for us so that we, I don't know about you, but I'm going to personally feel like, cause it was hard last year to commit to my blinders are on the big 10 Notre Dame and my handful of sec schools. And then the Sunbelt, like I'm, I got to watch those guys. I can't be wrapped up in what Trevor Lawrence is doing week in and week out. So it's going to be exciting for me. I don't know about you, but to be able to look at a top 50, top 75 and speak intelligently on those players and my personal opinions on them. In addition to knowing that Joe wrote up Sam Howell and did the report, I'll have studied Sam Howell. I will have a ranking on Sam Howell. And then I will have the opportunity to have that additional data point for my own personal rankings when we get back around to the fall, uh, to the winter and spring next year. So we start that next week, but to this point, we've, we've stacked the board, right? We've got a, uh, a board stacked. of well, th- We've stacked them in buckets. Ba- yeah, sure. That's, that's fair. That's fair. So what we've been doing is we've been giving out round valuation. So first round, first slash second, second, second slash third, third, third slash fourth, et cetera, all the way down. Uh, and the reason why we made that change, Joe, was because last year we did top 32, top 50, top 100, early day three, late day three, and UDFAs. And I think our early day three and late day three buckets last year each had like 85, 90 players in it. And when we came time to stack the board, it's like, all right, that's everybody we had as top 100 valuations. We had 102. Great. That's right around what you would expect. We got 95 guys in the early day three bucket. Who are we putting at the top, <laughs> top of the list? Yeah, we had that. It, it was impossible. Specific. So we had to get a little bit more specific, whittle these buckets down. So, for example, we're going to go through and look at big picture, look at the position groups based on what the regional scouting says now. And I say the regional scouting because we're going to do cross checks and we're going to give grades. So, for example, I gave a four to Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. If Joe falls in love with Graham Mertz and gives him a two, Brentley gives him a three, Jordan gives him a two, Dre gives him a five, at the end of the day, that grade averaged out is going to be a three, mm-hmm. right? So, so there is mobility here for all of these players based on the consensus of the group. But it gives us, at least at this point in time, this initial snapshot, and this is exactly how we do it in the winter, too. We regionally do the final write-up give the grade we rank it that way and then we work through our cross checks based on what the initial ranking said and we had some guys last year joe that had fives that ended up coming all the way up to be like top 75 players for us so it's like not everybody's going to interpret the film exactly the same and that's perfectly fine and time will tell who's right and who's wrong but uh we have such a talented group of guys and we have an addition coming by the way, that we're excited to announce here in the very near future to our scouting staff. Um, we have such a great group of guys that we really want to embrace the dynamics of exactly how a team would do it and how these conversations happen and understanding not everybody's going to see every player exactly the same way. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you could track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So, Kyle, for the rest of the podcast today, what we want to do is kind of take that bird's eye view at the offensive positions as they sit right now and talk through some of it and look at the buckets and just see how these position groups are stacking up at least through the regional portion of our scouting work this summer so far. So we've got the, the database up and we've got the quarterback position up and talk about some quarterbacks. Yeah. We, we sort of did this week already on the podcast, but we can kind of make this a little more broader and talk about some more players. And one thing that I've noticed as we've kind of peaked at this before we started recording today, got a nice little bell curve going here, right? Like, it's, right. it's it's that normal, uh, unintentional, right? We didn't mean to do this, but it's not a lot of guys at the top loaded in the middle. And not then, a you know, lot at the bottom, and then you yeah. got a S ton. I'm not making any donations to the swear jar without Chris here to account for him. Chris still S- has to figure out the swear jar. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's he's got to figure out. He's coming to Miami too, Chris. Chris. Uh, so we've evaluated collectively as a group 28 quarterbacks. Yep. Uh, about half of them have draftable grades. Half of them are UDFAs. And within that, there's some mobility. And uh, you look at the top of the group, and the top of the group, three of the top four, based on the initial rankings that we've given out. Again, not everybody's consensus, so this will change. It is fluid. It won't be what TDM 100 looks like. But it's three of the four guys that we talked about earlier this week, and Sam Howell, Malik Willis, and Desmond Ritter. Those are three of our top four quarterbacks, with Spencer Rattler being the other guy that, that's perched in that group. Um, I've seen enough of Rattler to know that he's extremely physically talented, right? And he's playing in an offense that's going to allow for monstrous production, and you have a really hard time envisioning anything going any other way than him improving upon what he had last year in which he had some hard knocks early in the season as he learned kind of what he could and couldn't get away with. But it's for me, it's a lot of what comes after that as guys that we have as late day two, early day three types right now that are really fascinating for me to a get my own eyes on B hear what the collective group thinks of these players and then C see how they play this season. Guys like, Carson Strong from Nevada, who I've heard a lot of good things about. Keaton Slovis from USC. Graham Mertz, who I mentioned already. Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Uh, Matt Corral from Ole Miss has a ton of fans. And to be fair, Dre did Matt Corral. And, and Dre's our hardest grader. We gave him a hard time yeah. about that in the spring when we, we looked at everybody's average grade that they gave out over 275 players. Dre's our hardest grader. And, and you know, Dre – um, with his experience in the league, he's, he's openly said, I'd rather start too low on a guy than start too high and be willing to come up as he continues to prove me wrong. So uh, I, I look at Daniels, who he evaluated, and Corral, who he evaluated, and Dan, or JT and Jaden Daniels, both of which were guys that he evaluated. 
I'm really excited to see what my personal opinion is on some of these guys to see if I differ from Dre, if there's an opportunity for me to have that debate with Dre, uh, but then to see how they play. Because, I mean, Matt Corral is both from Daniel Jeremiah and Daniel Jeremiah listening to folks around the league. Corral is a really popular player for the traits that he's illustrating. Yeah, and Corral is a guy – you know, I every I think last year I did uh, the stock up article each week for the Draft Network on, on Mondays, and yep, yep, I kept putting Corral in there because I'm like, holy smokes, this guy went 35 of 40 for 400 yards and five touchdowns, no interceptions, and it's like, I'm not sitting here saying I know everything about him, but this production in the SEC is is making me open my eyes, and I knew he was a highly touted recruit, and so he's a guy that I'm anxious to look at and see if he bumps up. I'm anxious for you guys to get your eyes on Desmond Ritter, you know, and see mm-hmm. if, see what type of fans there are amongst the group. And, you know, I think he's a player that potentially could, you know, I, I think he could cement himself where we have him, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if there's enough love for some of these other quarterbacks that, um, you know, he's not in our top four once our, you know, initial rankings and, and big board is put out. I mean, and I'll say this for Corral, he was 21 of, 28 for 365 yards against Alabama. Yeah. They put 48 points on Alabama. They were tied in the fourth quarter of that football game, less than halfway or more than halfway through the fourth quarter. They were down 49, 45. They gave Bama everything they could handle down to the stretch last year. So for him to have that kind of production, he got some help, right? Kenny Aboa, 68 yard touchdown in that game. But other than that, Yaboa had a monster game with, 181 yards and two touchdowns, but it wasn't like it was all explosive plays. They found ways to string drives together. You look at their touchdown plays, 10 plays, 93 yards. They went 475. They went 1175. They went 379. They went 1070, like 16 for 75. They strung plays together on Alabama over and over and over and over again throughout the course of that game. That's you want a resume game. That's a great place to start. Yep. And you hear about the intangibles with Corral as well. So yeah. look, I think we're both anxious to get our eyes on him. Uh, but you know, he's, that's a, that's a good example of this process and um, how things are really fluid. Even now, I would not be surprised to see Carson strong move up Would not be surprised to see JT Daniels move up, Matt Corral move up once everybody gets eyes on those guys. And those are guys that I know personally, I'm going to, have high expectations for when I watch them on film. Yeah, I still, I still got one more quarterback to get to in my region. It's, it's uh, Phil Dracovic from Boston college. And he's the quarterback that Brian Kelly said was the best uh, prospect he'd ever seen. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, he didn't, he couldn't hold on to him. He was transferred to Boston college. I am mercifully out of quarterbacks to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I, there's probably some that I need to get to, but I, I don't, I just, the Dylan, Dylan, great Gabriel's of the world and the Holton Aylers of the world. Listen, tough, my, my, my last two or my last three were Ryan Halinski, who was not even guaranteed to start. <laughs> I've seen him play plenty at South Carolina, Brandon Peters at Illinois, uh, and Anthony Russo, formerly of Temple. Yeah, now I Michigan know about State. Anthony so Russo too. Those are the, when I'm watching those guys, I know I'm just about tapped out on quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Want to flip over to the next position here? We got running backs. This is an interesting group because I don't think I don't think we go into this with, I, I you know, like last year we knew a Najee Harris, we knew C.J. Mm-hmm. Spiller, 
were top caliber backs and there's good backs at the top, but I don't know that there's anybody that comes close to me thinking is a first round pick at this time. Well, I think Spiller's got the best potential of the group and he does stand alone as our RB one at this point in the process, but you talked about a bell curve. Yeah. This one's different. This, this is, there's a lot of fringe top 75 fringe top 100 backs. I mean, the guys that we have two through three, three and three slash four on are guys like Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, who might be one of the best pass protecting backs that I've ever seen. Like he, he's re- really good. And you wouldn't expect it from when you just look at his stature, he's really not that 220 pound kid that's really going to smash you in, in an a gap and, and stonewall you as a blitzing linebacker, but Brees Hall, Zonovan Knight, Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky, Cameron Harris, Eric Gray. So we got a little bit of representation just about everywhere other than the Pac-12. And that doesn't even get into some of the names that are true day three valuations for us that have a lot of potential, like a Zach Charbonnet at UCLA, like a Zamir White from Georgia, like a Ty Chandler stepping into that Michael Carter role at North Carolina. So there's a lot of fluidity here too, but I don't think you, as you said, you don't have the high-end sell, and it's a very crowded group. We got seven backs with twos, two through three slash three slash four. It's a very, very small margin that when you get five, six other guys that are putting a grade on a guy, that can reorder itself very, very, very quickly. Yeah, and there's still those players that will emerge, right? Like, that's, that's what's always exciting. Like, we see the class a certain way right now, and these players are fluid. They'll get better. Some won't. And then there's the players that are not on our radar, you know, that they, they it's the best part of the process. Yeah. It's fun. And then you're like, okay, is it, is it okay? Is it okay to buy in? Is it okay right. yet? You know, you're, like, you're fighting that, like that battle. The, the Zach Wilson thing last year, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, how many games does he have to light somebody <laughs> up before it's like, yeah, let's just put him there. And I got, I don't want to say lucky, but it was lucky with how quickly I bought into Trubisky the year that he went out because he did that comeback against Florida state in Tallahassee. And I said, that's it between the (laughs) the the traits and the comebacks. And and he had like two consecutive weeks of comebacks. I said, I've seen enough. This guy's going to go first round. And he ended up being QB one that year in a really obviously talented group and should not Mm -hmm. have been QB one, but sometimes you get the bear and sometimes the bear gets you in this process. Uh, nice, nice little analogy there. So, all right, want to get another position group in here? Yeah, let's go wide receivers. This is um, oh, receiver's been so weird for me this year. I'll tell you, my highest guy is like a is is it a three? Did I give Trey Turner a three? Trey Turner from Virginia Tech. You gave okay. A three. A, yeah. I mean, you're you're the one with the receivers this year, man. The Big Ten seems loaded. Yeah. So Chris Olave, David Bell, Garrett Wilson, uh, Ty Fry Fogle. Jahan Dotson. I just did Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama and really liked what I saw in him. A lot of potential in this group as far as the guy. Dante Demas from Maryland is a guy I could totally see moving up. And it's just as my eyes are scanning down, how many wide receivers have we done here, Joe? We've done 38 wide receivers thus far in this process. And we'll probably pick up a few more along the way. Uh, 
we got what Friday write-ups left yet. Yeah, so I got a good one. I got Jakari Robinson from Wake Forest, who's a nice player. I, I think he'll have a reasonably high grade from me. But I mean, you look at this group, and I think the thing that stands out the most to me, at least at this point in time, is you're not seeing what two years ago when three wide receivers in the top 18, you know, from 10 to from 10 to yeah. uh, rugs went at 11 and then Judy, Judy. went at 12 or 13 and then lamb went at 18. Yep. Right. This past year you saw chase at five waddle at six Smith at 11, Philly, or 12? Philly moved 10 or 10, 11, 12, Something, somewhere yeah. in that range. So I think it was Tony, 10, it was 10 <laughs> with Dallas Bateman. and then you get Tony Bateman. Yeah. So we don't see this wide receiver group like that. We think there's a lot of good players, but not a lot of guys that we've been willing to stick the plant, the flag in the ground for yet, Joe. And you and I talked a little bit in the pre-show about how that's, that's going to be a common theme at this point, because we just, a lot of these guys, you need to see more because of the dynamics of last year's season, things that did and did not go right guys that missed time because of COVID and then were never the same once they came back from COVID. And then the guys that just have small sample sizes. Yeah. For me, just like a, a practical application of what you just said is both of the Clemson guys that I did, Frank Ladson and Joseph Nada. I mean, these guys are really talented. They're big, physical, explosive ball skills are there. The body control is there. They've caught 21 passes, right? Like, you know, the, the resume hasn't been there. And it's really exciting for me, specifically thinking about Clemson. Obviously, Justin Ross coming back this year, and he should have a big role in the offense. Their offensive line is, is pretty well intact, but you have a new quarterback in DJU. I'm going to get that last name down pretty soon here. And, and you have all these different wide receivers that have a, like a, a very clear path to claiming playing time. They're high big time recruits. Uh, Davos Swinney speaks highly of all these guys. It's like, all right, who's going to be the ones that command the production that command the targets that are reliable when the, when the ball starts coming their way. And as that happens, I mean, these guys are going to produce and they're guys that I have as a four right now, but there's no doubt in my mind that who, whichever of those Clemson receivers like takes the bull by the horns, they're going to be second round grades, maybe higher. Right. So I'm going to send you the graphic. I, I found this yesterday because his name is, is Todd Vincent. And he had made a comment about, you know, how to say DJU's name and how, oh, to, what, what, what <laughs> Nick, what nickname was and was not appropriate. Apparently he's related to DJU. It's we on Galele. We on Galele. We on Galele. We W E and then A-H-N, and then G-A-H, and then L-U-H, and then L-E-I. We on Galele. Yep. All right. Well, look, Joe learned how to say DJ, we on Galele, right here on the podcast. Kyle? Nailed What a guy. What a guy. Thank you. Thank you. So now I just, I'm going to actually probably going to print that out. I'm going to put it on my computer. Because I, I, I mean, I really, I, I think we do want to say people's names correctly, but I mean, I mean, when it's just not natural to you and you're, you're, you're talking players. It's like, ah, right. I don't want to butcher it. So right. Trying right. To get it right so there. I know you're big sticky notes guys. So just put the sticky yeah, note right you're there not, on the uh, sticky notes everywhere. Yep. 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 Need to tell you guys about built bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. So many amazing flavors. They're all delicious. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. It's like eating a candy bar, but they are good for you. 
Built Bar is great for anyone who is health conscious. Whether you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in a delicious treat, you got to try Built Bars. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for anyone on the keto diet. Got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and it'll get you 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So let's talk about tight ends. All right. The position. Weird group this year, man. It's a really weird group. I think, I think this is the group for me, though, that I see has a lot of upward mobility. For sure. As far as there's a lot of traitsy guys. There's a lot of guys who do one thing well, and you're waiting to see them kind of fully flesh out their resume. Uh, but just for me in particular, I got two threes or second slash third round valuations on Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio state, Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin. I could absolutely positively see both of those guys with their physical profiles, their athleticism, their ability to catch the football. I could see those guys being second round picks like comfortably. It's just, I'm not quite there there yet with those guys. And then Kate Otten, who Brentley took a look at earlier this week, I think it gave him a three. I think he's got some upward mobility. I can't believe you were as low as Will Mallory as you were. I, I, man, I gotta you gotta want so time. badly for me to I pound the table. Time. I think he's a regular fourth round grade. Will Mallory Stop. from Miami. He was the best tight end on Miami's roster last year. I don't disagree with him. That's why I have him as a four and Brevin Jordan went in the sixth You're round. Dumb. All right. <laughs> You're dumb. I, I watch another good tight end. Uh, when I say good, I mean, you know, mid-round type guy. Nick Muse from South Carolina. We'll talk about him in our scouting meeting tomorrow. Oh, but, good. Um, A little spoiler for me. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I, dude, I feel the same way about my guys because James Mitchell from Virginia Tech, I really liked. You mentioned Will Merritt, Mallory from Miami. Josh Wiley from Cincinnati is a good mm-hmm. player. Um, really interesting. Trey Barry comes over from Jacksonville State to Boston College. He's like 6'7", 250. You just really got done talking receiver. about you just got done talking about him in the scouting meeting earlier this week. And you were like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy end up being a top 100 player. If he balls out of Boston college. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's really interesting because we don't, we've evaluated how many tight ends it's uh, 16 tight ends. And, and we probably got some more to get to, but none of them, like only one is graded below a five right now. Like that's kind of weird. And only one of them has a firm two. Kyle, wait, and I, this is on the fly, and this is why it would be nice to have uh, Shuby here. But if I'm not mistaken, the tight ends, the way they were drafted last year, yeah, so there was none picked after 168. Not a single tight end drafted wow. after 168. That's crazy. That's like 100 wow. picks almost, man, without a tight end. And then That's what, crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and here's, here's where you get stuck with those kinds of players is anytime you're at the bottom of the roster type guys, you got to be able to play special teams to sell yourself as having a role in a bottom 10 roster spot on an NFL roster. Tight ends don't have typically don't have the profile to be a guy that's going to go out and cover kicks because that goes to linebackers and backup safeties and backup corners. So, and wide receivers playing gunner specifically, like tight ends don't really fit into any of those roles. So what are you going to do? You're going to put them at the M man on field goal team. So here's, let me share with you my idea that I have for the bills at tight end. Oh, okay, cool. So this is interesting, right? So they have Dawson Knox, Jacob Hollister, Tommy Sweeney, Reggie Gilliam. Those are the tight ends that matter on the roster, right? So my idea is they've they've typically rostered three or four 
And that fourth one has kind of been like a Reggie Gilliam, really a special teams type player. So I think you roster three. I think you roster Knox, Hollister, and, and Tommy Sweeney. And then you only dress two on game day. And where you get value from Spencer Brown is he, he's your Lee Smith he's blocking your, tight yeah, end. Yeah. So like he's your third round pick and he's not going to uh, unseat Deion Dawkins or, or Daryl Williams, who they just extended for three years. But he's your swing tackle, but he's also your blocking tight end. And he played eight man football in high school where he was a tight end. I mean, the guy has a, a perfect 10 RAS score at 6'8, 315. I mean, crazy athleticism. You're telling me this guy can't be your blocking tight end and give you at least the same receiving upside as Lee Smith did as a player you dressed for the last several years. I mean, I think for, for so for the, the utilization of tight ends like on our NFL roster. Maybe there is value in your swing tackle being your blocking tight end and only dressing two actual tight ends on game day. If you're a team like the Bills that, you know, you're not going to run 12 and you're going to run a lot of 10. Now, now do the Dolphins room. Yeah, brother, that's a different conversation. <laughs> you, 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 we, we, <laughs> that's a real different conversation. They got, they got eight right now. Now, mm-hmm. granted, it's, it's like Jibri uh, Blount is one who was a college basketball player and like, his best case scenario is a practice squad guy, but you drafted Hunter Long in the third round. You got Mike Gusecki. You got Durham Smythe, who played a ton of snaps, and the coaches apparently have glowing reviews to say anything and everything about. You signed Seathan Carter in free agency to serve as right? And then Adam Shaheen, who you just gave a contract extension to midseason last year. What the keeping hell are we six. doing here? We're keeping six. <laughs> I don't know, brother. That's different. <laughs> I, I don't think it bodes very well for Mike Gusecki, but that's a conversation for another day. Trade trade. Okay. No, no, we're not doing that. Let's look at these offensive linemen, man. Speaking, let's talk a little bit of NFL football here amid this conversation, since we're shifting gears to offensive tackles. How about Ryan Ramchak? Yes, sir. Best right tackle in the game. He's one of the best. Ryan Ramchak is a top blank tackle in the NFL period, regardless of left or right. Five, five. Five. Okay, five. Okay, five. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, super excited for him as a guy who uh, came in right away. And, and there was some people that had some questions. He kind of got given the Jake Long treatment, if you remember correctly. And it's like, oh, can he protect? He's a really good run blocker, but I don't know if he's going to be good in pass protection. And he looks pretty damn good to me. And he's been really good there since the moment he stepped on field. And Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he transfer into Wisconsin? Yes. He was only a one-year starter at Wisconsin, and he had the hip uh, stuff coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that contributed to him falling to 32. But what a great value for New Orleans amid that 2017 draft class that also had 18 other starters and like five other dudes that got contract extensions already. And then you got Marcus Wilson on the franchise tag this year. They freed up some cap space with that deal too. It was funny. I listened to Jeff Ireland recently talking about that selection of Ryan Ramchek. He said he had a, had him as a top 10 player in the class. He said they weren't concerned with the medical stuff and they counted all that experience from wherever he played before uh, Wisconsin. They said, yeah, we counted it. So it's funny how, you know, we, there, there was a big narrative with Ryan Ramchek that, okay, he's got this hip thing and he, he only played one year of, of, you know, high level college football. And for some people, those were viewed as, you know, knocks on him, things that would push him down the board. But for the saints they are like, 
yeah, we're good with that. We're not, that's, we're not going to discriminate against those things. We're counting the experience and, and we think he's a steal. They got him at like pick 32 or something like that. I'll tell you great minds. Think alike, Jeff Ireland, Juco red shirt, junior transfer to Wisconsin. Kyle Krabs had him ninth on the board. Just don't, don't <laughs> ask me where I had George Kittle in that draft class. Okay. Uh, you had him where everyone else did brother. Yeah. Sometimes okay. you get the bear and sometimes the bear gets you. Second as they time. Say. Second time we've been, <laughs> it's come up today. So let's, you want to talk tackles? Yeah, I like the way this looks, don't you? This uh, offensive tackle group, I think, you know, Evan Neal, there's a lot of buzz for the Alabama offensive tackle. Um, you know, you've got some other big names here that that we have high grades on, like uh, Darian Kennard from Kentucky and Charles Cross from Mississippi State there. Jackson, Munford, Jackson Kirkland. From yeah, Washington. Jackson Kirkland. Listen, I, if Dre Harris gives yes. you a first-round grade, you know that dude's a star. Right. Right. <laughs> so and, and, I'm excited to watch him just for that. Dre coming in hot this week with Jackson Kirkland. He did it on Wednesday's staff meeting. It was like, yo, this dude's a baller. He can play. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I like, you know, I think the middle of this is really interesting, especially when I think about a lot of players that I put in the middle here, like a Jordan McFadden from Clemson, Tyler Vrabel from, from Boston College, Tyler Smith from Tulsa. You know, even Jalen Thomas from SMU is a player that I really like. If they take a step, I mean, these are going to be day two offensive tackles to me. Mm-hmm. So we had another, we had a really good offensive tackle class last year. And I think it's shaping up to be maybe not as top heavy, but really rich in terms of starting caliber players. Yeah. So I don't quite have the the top and I'm responsible for Kentucky. So I've seen Darren Kirkland or Darren Kirkland or Darren Kennard, excuse me. That's going to be super confusing. Have a Kirkland and a Kennard there right back to back on our yep. thing. So Darren Kennard, Phenomenal in the run game. I want to see him sort out some of the issues in pass pro right now, but I got him as a fringe first-round prospect right now. Uh, Thayer Munford took a massive step forward for Ohio State this past year. He really cleaned up a lot of the the flaws in his game, played much more within himself. Daniel Falele, at this point last year, I said, hey, this dude's a potential top 50 pick. He's leaned down to 380, Joe. He cut weight to get to 380, Uh, but he – he, I saw him in the spring game. He threw a touchdown pass in the red zone at the spring game, by the way. Oh, wow. You'd okay. That. Yeah, they put, him at full, they put him at fullback, let him do a little something. So, uh, but, but he's a guy who I was really high on last year, but he opted out of last season. So there's certainly a lot of up, upward mobility for him if he's able to play even more athletic at, at 380. Like, I don't want to say he's got – Makai Becton, I don't say he's going to be Makai Becton, but he has Makai Becton potential with how much raw power he has and how well he carries 380 pounds. <laughs> if that light bulb can go off, and I thought he was a little bit more laterally fluid at 400 than what Makai Becton was. He just didn't fit, he hasn't figured out his hands yet. And that was a big thing. I remember Jordan Reed told that story with Becton against, well, it, well who is it, no, Notre Dame? And he Somebody said he, early, yeah. Yeah, he like looked down at his hands in, in, in the middle of that game and just kind of realized I can kill people with these things. Yeah. And then, like from there on, it was yeah. like he was a completely different player. Like Falele's got that kind of potential. Rashid Walker from Penn State, he's got the profile of a guy that always gets drafted high. I'm not there with yeah. him yet because I think he's really raw, but uh, I think that that is worth mentioning that you know, he's another guy with super high traits at his disposal, but we got a lot of guys in, in the top 75 range. I mean, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys with first through two slash three grades in total. So 
it's looking to be a really good group. And then, like you said, we got some middle ground to tackle as well. Yeah. Guys that can rise. All right. Let's, uh, let's do interior offensive linemen. Now bear with me because we also have just O line for guys that were oh, no. fringe. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Oh no. Um, so we got Kenyon green from A&M uh, Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, Zion Johnson, Tyrese Robinson, and you're going to have to help me with the last one because we just got done talking about how we want to be respectful to people's names. And it's some guy from NC state that I do not want to butcher his name. I can Equanu. And this guy's a killer, man. Absolute killer in the run game. I love him. Probably a guard. Well, he is a guard. He plays tackle left tackle for NC state, but he's, he'll be a guard. In the NFL. We did a, we did a whole bunch of interior offensive linemen. I think this is you. <laughs> we've done 34 interior offensive linemen, and I'm pretty sure this is you and I's fault. Because I'm going to search for how many Marinos. There's 11 Marinos on this group. Oh, my God. What am I just been watching guards all summer, man? And there's there's seven crabs in this group. So you and I have combined for 18 interior offensive linemen thus far uh, in the process. I don't have any more left, so that'll <laughs> that'll be it for now. It's, it's not real high at the top. We got a couple of guys that we got solid twos on. Uh, we got some guys with two slash three, three slash four that could be top 100 guys, but uh, the real meat and potatoes of this group right now, as we currently perceive it, is fourth and fifth round. Yeah, and that's that's it's always the money round. For interior offensive line, yeah, right, yeah. And when when you get an Elijah Vera Tucker type player, you know you trade up for him. Make sure you get. That's right. Go get your guy. Go get <laughs> your guy. Uh, any parting thoughts here on the offensive side of the football? Um, my parting thought is. Do we give Chris crap for not being here today mm. or no? He, I mean, he's, he's out seeing nature and stuff. I'm supportive of Chris getting out of the house and yeah, that's true. All yeah. right. So good. Hunt. Good for you, Chris. Uh, but that, that is going to do it for us collectively here on this Thursday edition of the show. As always really appreciative of everybody carving time out of their days to listen to draft dudes. We hope you enjoyed kind of this, eagle eye view we're trying to be transparent with this process right because we take pride in what our process is and, and the fact that we try to treat this exactly how you would expect teams to treat it and and, and do right by the players and, and give them as many looks and opportunities to make first impressions and new impressions and improve their stock based on their play and so on and so forth so uh i i think we got a good balance this year and i'm excited to see how it turns out because last year was great and I think we've made some good improvements that are really going to help us and our quality of our product at TDN as we're working on our player evaluation. And as I said at the very top of the show, we got a phenomenal group of guys uh, that are working alongside of us here. And uh, Joe, I think we're going to have to find some excuses to get some of these guys on and, and talk about some of their players and give them a chance yeah. to pound the table a little bit. So for sure. uh, the next couple of weeks when we do cross checks will be a good opportunity for, Hey, why don't you come on and talk to us, help sell us on this or Hey, help sell me on this because I didn't see it the same way that you did. So a little healthy discourse on the show. We'll tease the uh, Jerry Springer style uh, conflict. So hopefully we get a couple of you guys to go tell your friends to come listen to draft dudes this summer. It's July now. So we're, we're getting close to the start of the season. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to draft Dudes podcast. We hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Thursday and we'll talk with you again tonight on the live stream. And if not, we hope to talk to you again tomorrow.